Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I don't know about you, but I have never liked conflict. Never have. Whatever situation it might have been in. Uh, for some reason, it, it always causes me a personal level of, of anxiety and, and, and angst. I just don't want to be a part of the situation. I want to be as far away from it as possible. If I could, I would flee from it. I would escape it. And looking back in the past, for me personally, it could be any situation. Past jobs, classes, with classmates, with family, with friends, you name it. Any sort of conflict, any sort of situation where there's an argument, a disagreement, someone has hurt someone else, I personally don't want to be a part of it. Now, I know some of my colleagues in the ministry that I just graduated from seminary who, who might catch the service on the live stream, they might be listening to me say that, and they'd be like, well, Tyler, we beg to differ with that. Well, okay, well, I have to admit, I do enjoy some lighthearted, good, fun, conflict, confrontation when it comes to things like sports. And you might have been aware of this and noticed this my first Sunday here with you all at my installation service, where I was wearing my Green Bay Packer mask. Right away, I was letting you know who I am, where I grew up, where my loyalties lie. No, that's all in good fun and everything, and especially, you know, when I think, you know, in my mind right now, next Sunday is the start of what? Yeah, yeah, football season, and especially, it, it, it hits a little closer to home here for all of us. It's Vikings versus Packers, week one, barring COVID doesn't mess with the season. But, you know, even right there, there's that conflict. Right there, yep, and this is one of my, one of my favorite memes right here even, too. Uh, I, I love sharing this with all my Viking friends, and you, you'll, you'll see this a lot. I like to remind you all, but it's all in good fun. It's not meant to produce conflict and, and hatred between each other. You know, and I expect you all to give the same back to me. You know, that just increases the fun of the whole thing. You know, if you walk down uh, the office building as well, uh, you'll get a good reminder of this if you walk past my office. My office is the second office at the very end. And I have it amply placed right there where you can see it. If you look through my window or if you've been near my office or walk past it, you'll see it. It's a nice, big, oversized Packer flag right there for you to see it and look at it. Just to remind you. Just to remind you of this. <laughs> like I said, it's all in good fun. But aside from sports and that fun, lighthearted conflict and confrontation that we might have, you know, Pastor talked about it a few weeks ago with his buddies who are Cubs fans as a Cardinal fan. Any other conflict, like I mentioned, with, with, with family, it, it's not fun or easy to go through. It's awkward. It, it's challenging. You know, for me, I would like all of my relationships to be fun and cordial. You know, where like a conflict comes up, like sports or something like that, you know, something like that. But everything else, you know, I'd rather, you know, be on good terms with everyone, to have a good relationship with everyone that I come across. But we all deal with conflict differently. Every situation, like I said, you might deal with conflict at home, between spouse, 
You know, it's not always roses. You get into arguments with each other, difference of opinions. You get into arguments at work with colleagues. Something doesn't get done on time. You know, employees with their employers, supervisors, management team, executive team, you get into arguments and, and differences of opinions. Someone does something wrong against another, and it causes tension. It causes conflict in the office. What about in our country right now? You think about our national election right now, you know, right versus left, Biden versus Trump, and just right there, you already have rising conflict just by hearing those two names from either side. One side doesn't like the other and vice versa. And it's not just, you know, our national elections. We see it even here in our local elections and our state elections here in Minnesota. What about this? This really hits close to home. You know, this just happened last week again. Up in Minneapolis, more riots, more people upset and angry, hating one another on both sides. We see conflict and tension, people lashing out against each other, feeling hurt, angry. You know, we see it all around our world, and of course now, we would never see conflict in the church, right? I hear a couple of you laughing. Yeah, we do. We do experience conflict even here in the church. Times of confrontation, times of, of differences of, of opinion, moments of open sin, times where we might hurt each other. You know, marital unfaithfulness comes up. You know, disagreements or, or, or open moments of sin from the leadership of the congregation. Not only just pastors you see fall, but leaders of the congregation as well. Financial mishaps come up that cripple congregations that completely flatline them and close doors. You see people spreading uh, simple little lies and, and, and gossip about each other behind people's back, rather than going to them face to face and, and talking it out as brothers and sisters. You know, we even get into our little cliques, our little groups where we feel comfortable in, and then we shut other people out, especially visitors who might come through our doors and they see that and they just see it as another, the church as being another exclusive club, an exclusive social club, and they want nothing to do with it. And you think the church would be a safe haven of all places where you see conflicts, open moments of sin all throughout our world right now, in our own personal lives, everything that's going on right now, all the open moments of sin, you would think that the church of all places would be a safe haven, a place where there's no conflict, no pain, no open moments of sin, no disagreements, no confrontations, no arguments should be, but it always isn't. Because we have to remind ourselves that the church is still full of sinful people. People that have, from time to time, sinful and selfish desires and motives. And I think that's exactly why Jesus brings us up in the Gospel reading today, the last quarter of our Gospel reading, verses 15 through 20. 
And, and, and it's in this passage where Jesus gives us a really good formula, a good blueprint model of how we address times like this specifically in the church when conflict and open arguments and disagreements and times when we hurt each other and sin against each other. You know, Jesus knew exactly what he was signing up for when he called the 12 disciples to follow him. These simple men, these sinful men. And all the people that would follow after the disciples who would hear the gospel proclaimed and follow after their teachings, even up to today, you and me, Jesus knew exactly what he was getting into. So we dive into the gospel reading here, uh, looking first at verses 15 through 17, looking at, at this kind of three-step plan, this three-step model that Jesus uses, how to address conflict, arguments, open moments of sin that might come up in the church. So first off, verse 15, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Just between you and him, him and her, her and her. Two people. You know, oftentimes I think that's one thing that we struggle with in the church. If someone wrongs someone, we immediately try to tell the whole assembly, everybody. You know, put them on the chopping block. It'd be like, Noel, I'm going to call you out since you're the chairman of the congregation and you're, you decided to sit in the front row today. But it'd be like an argument or, or, some, or one of us hurts each other. We have just an argument, a conflict that comes up between just he and I. And it'd be like, I would go, so no would hurt me, you know, sinned against me, and I would take it to the LLB meeting. And I'd put it all out in the open rather than going to him first and discussing this and trying to restore our relationship. Because that's what Jesus says. That's the purpose of this. Right there at the end of verse 15. The purpose of getting together with your brother or your sister, the one that you've hurt or who has hurt you, is to regain them. To restore the relationship, that which was broken, that which was hurt. To talk it out with them one on one. You know, there's a three-step process. You don't have to go all the way to the end. Just talk it out. Talk it out one on one. But if that doesn't work, step two. So if that personal one-on-one -on -one conversation, trying to restore that relationship doesn't work, Jesus continues. He says, but if he does not listen, take one or two along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So if that one-on-one -on -one conversation doesn't work, it's time to bring in an unbiased opinion. At least two people to come in to the situation who are unaware of it, who can help serve as witnesses, to help serve, in other words, as a mediator, a go-between, some, someone that can stand there right in the middle of the conflict and help you to sort out your differences, to come to reconciling, to restore each other, to rebuild each other, to, to, to regain that relationship that might have been lost. You know, Jesus is actually following the model that Moses sets up in the law. In, in Deuteronomy, in two places in Deuteronomy, uh, God makes it clear through Moses that whenever an open sin comes up in the, the assembly amongst the people of God, you need more than one witness. You need multiple people coming in to help. So you have multiple 
indirectly affected unbiased opinions, helping through the situation. And so Jesus sees this, and he understands this, and he sees the benefit of it. And we too see that as well. So if those witnesses, and then if those mediators don't work out, that's when Jesus says it's time to take it to the entire assembly. Like I said before, that conflict between me and Noel, and just let you know, just to give you reassurance, we have no conflict. There's nothing. But rather than going to the assembly right away, you know, you go through this three-step process, and now here's the third and last step that Jesus says. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it now to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. You know, it's the big churchy word that you might have heard of, you know, excommunication. You know, if your brother or your sister, the person that's causing this conflict, this open disagreement, who, who's living a lifestyle that is not Christian, you know, if they refuse to repent, if they refuse to ask for forgiveness, if they're refusing any efforts on the part of the entire assembly now to restore, to rebuild, to regain this relationship, you know, treat them now as a Gentile or a tax collector. And this is not a slam against Gentiles, because we all know we're, we're Gentiles here unless you have Jewish background. You know, basically what Jesus is saying, he or she is an unbeliever. They no longer want to be a part of the assembly. They no longer want to be restored to regain that relationship as a whole. They don't want to be part of it anymore. It's time to let them go, to be on their own. And that's not to say that we cut them off completely. No, we're still praying for him or for her, for whoever hurt us as a body of Christ. We're still praying for them. We're still hoping that they'll return one day and be a part of our community again. They'll, they'll be looking to restore that relationship, to rebuild it, to regain them as a brother or a sister. But as you see, this seems like such a simple process. One, two, three. Jesus lays it out perfectly and simply. It shouldn't be so hard to do, should it? Well, it's easier said than done. Because like I mentioned, conflict, confrontation, when we're dealing with open moments of sin, it's not fun. It's not easy. It can cause a certain level of anxiety and, and personal angst for you where you don't want to deal with it. And I often wonder, especially here in the church, when these moments come up, why, why it might be so difficult for us to deal with these moments where forgiveness is needed, where restoration is needed, where we need to start having these difficult and, and uncomfortable conversations, calling out open sin, trying to put a stop to conflict. I wonder why it can be so difficult. If you notice in our gospel reading, there seem to be three different roles that Jesus kind of outlines. The first role that you, you hear is the one that is offering forgiveness, the one who is restoring a brother or sister. The other, obviously, is the one who has committed the sin, the one, the one who has started this whole argument, the whole disagreement. And then lastly, you hear the, the role of the witness again, right? The mediator, the third role, the person who is there as an unbiased witness. They're trying to help restore. 
So I wonder what makes it difficult for us sometimes to, to be in each of those three roles. And first and foremost, I want to think about the person who's seeking to reconcile other people. The person who stands in the middle, the person who's trying to help restore the relationship of others. Maybe the reason why you don't want to be a mediator, to serve as a witness, is that you don't want to get dragged into the conflict. You know, you've got enough personal problems that are going on in your own life. You have enough conflicts that you're dealing with outside of the church in your own personal life that you don't want to get dragged through the mud into this conflict. And so it's, you avoid it. You ignore it. You, you feel as if, it, you know, you see it happening before you, but you just kind of walk the other way. And you don't even notice it. Uh, maybe you, you're, you simply just don't care. You, you see other people's problems like, well, that's their problem. It's not mine. What does it matter to me? Maybe in the past you were serving at, like as a mediator, a witness. You were called upon to help others. And in the course of it, you were felt leaving burnt out. You did everything that you could. You, you helped them through the whole situation. You gave them encouragement. You gave them support. You, know, you gave them good words to try to help reconcile each other. And it left you feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually exhausted, worn down. Or maybe you've, you've served as a mediator or a witness in the past and, and you no longer see the purpose of this role. Because you were called upon to serve in that role and, and you did everything and, and everything worked out and, and then it, the conflict came right back up again. Or, or you didn't feel appreciated for the help that you gave. You know, you did everything that you were supposed to do. You know, you gave them words of encouragement and support. You gave them encouragement from God's word, and, and you didn't really feel appreciated at all for the role and the help that you were willing to give. What about the one who goes and asks for forgiveness? What makes it difficult for us to put our sins out in the open and to go to our brother or sister or go to our, our whole church our brothers and sisters in Christ here as, as, as an assembly here at Trinity, what makes it difficult for us to go and ask for forgiveness? Well, I don't know about you, but let, let's face it. It's hard to admit when we're wrong, isn't it? When we're in the wrong, when we've made a mistake, when we've done something wrong to hurt others. Because when we, we, we think that if we do so, we'll make ourselves look weak to others. Because of what we did, because of what we said, because of the things that we did and, and to our brothers and sisters, when we put it out in the open, when we ask for forgiveness, people will see us as weak, we think. That we're unreliable, that we're untrustworthy. That people will begin to think that, well, yeah, we're offering forgiveness now, but we know that you're going to probably do it again. And those thoughts are racing through our head, and we feel like, yeah, maybe I just shouldn't put this out in the open. Maybe I shouldn't address this. I'll just live with what I did. What about the one who's offering forgiveness? The one who's been hurt by words or by actions? You know, there's that old saying that we often think of that maybe you've even found yourself saying to other ones, other people who have hurt you. You know, I can forgive you, but I can't forget. 
I can forgive you, but I can't forget what you did to me. And yes, that's not to say that there's consequences or punishment for actions, especially for sin in the church. Yes, that, you know, sin must be dealt with. There's punishment for that. But remember, remember what Jesus said the purpose of all this is right at the beginning of verse 15? It's to regain a brother or sister. To get past this moment of sin and to restore each other, to, to, to reconcile your differences, to rebuild that relationship. That's the ultimate goal, to rebuild it. Forgive but can't forget. It doesn't really seem like rebuilding at all. It doesn't really seem like we've regained them. Or how about this thought that comes across our mind? You know, do they really deserve my forgiveness? You know, they've done the same thing in the past. They've hurt other people doing the exact same thing. And now they've done it to me. Do they really deserve my forgiveness? No, they're just going to do the exact same thing over again. What's the point of it? It almost seems like cheap grace. You know, all these thoughts come from different situations, different scenarios. But in all reality, all of these thoughts, all of these excuses that we might come up with to not want to be a part of these times of open sin, these conflicts, these disagreements, all these excuses that we try to make to, to think anything other than rebuilding and regaining these relationships, it all ultimately just burdens us. Rather than freeing us, which is what forgiveness exactly does. Forgiveness is meant to free people, not burden. And instead of regaining brothers and sisters, it just further separates us. It divides the community. It divides the church. And it's exactly what Satan wants to do. It's exactly what Satan wants to do even here in our midst. Here is Trinity. Here is a people. So what do we do about it? How do we fix this problem? How do we fix these moments of conflict when we don't want to address it? You know, we need to remind ourselves, we need to be reminded of this passage today, that when conflict comes up, when sin needs to be addressed and confronted, openly in the church. You know, not only has Jesus given us the blueprint, the formula of how to address these situations, but he's also given us a wonderful promise right there at the end of our gospel reading, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them in the midst of us. Even when there's just two, see that, even when there is just two, the one who has been hurt and the one who's done the hurting, the one who has caused the sin, the one who has started the conflict, Jesus is right there, giving us the strength to forgive each other, giving us words to forgive, the power to restore, to reconcile, to regain a brother or sister. So why should this give us any confidence going forward in, in any conflict or situation that might come up? 
You know how I mentioned earlier how I hate conflict? I dread it. It gives me anxiety and, and angst. You know, I always seem to do much better in situations of conflict when I have someone, not a part of the situation, but someone who's there in my corner to help and support me. You know, not necessarily to try and go right in as a mediator witness, but someone there who, who can give me words of encouragement. You know, when I, when I see like I'm feeling down and, and, and depressed and, and I feel so worried about this whole situation, just someone there to encourage me. Just encourage me with God's word. And that might be the same for you, you know, just having someone there in your corner just encouraging you, supporting you, uplifting you as a brother and sister in Christ. You know, we can be confident too as the church. Hmm, this clicker is my conflict this morning. There we go. You know, we can be confident too as the church as a whole because we know exactly this is what Jesus has done for us. You know, when the conflict of sin comes up in our lives, you know, Jesus is right there in our corner, encouraging us, supporting us, taking upon all of our conflict. He actually gets into the whole situation, right in the fray of the conflict, and he stands right there and takes our conflict upon himself and nails it to himself onto the cross. You know, he's that reliable. He's that trustworthy friend. He's the one that's seeking to regain us, to restore us as brothers and sisters. He was our trustworthy brother who was there to rebuild the relationship that was lost. You know, conflict isn't always easy. It's not always fun. You know, it can be a burden for us to deal with, to address, especially here in the church. Of all places, that safe haven, it can be hard. It can be challenging. Anxiety and angst. You know, we try to ignore it. We try to flee from it. We may try to even address it in all the wrong ways, only make the situation worse. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be confident today in knowing that you have a Savior who's dealt with the conflict of our sin. You know, and he continues to do so today. He's with his church through the good and the bad, the joys and the hardships, the blessings, and even, yes, the conflicts, the disagreements, the confrontations, yes, even the open moments of sin where we hurt each other. He's with us. He's with us as we're gathered in his name. Even when there's two people gathered, Two brothers and sisters who might have hurt each other as we're gathered in his name, he's right there with us, even in the midst of that conflict. And it's like we heard a couple weeks ago in, in our gospel from Matthew 16. Even the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. Like I said before, it's Satan's goal to try to divide us, to break us up, to hurt each other to neglect each other, to withhold forgiveness when forgiveness is needed. Even the gates of hell, Satan can't prevail against the church, just like the Vikings can't prevail against the Packers next weekend, right? No. 
in all seriousness, because even when conflict comes up in the church, we know that God is there with us. He's right there beside us in the midst of the conflict as we seek to restore, to regain, to rebuild our relationships that might have been lost. We know that God is there. It's all about what we've been, been celebrating, even in the midst of COVID. This year here as a congregation as Trinity, our 150th anniversary all the blessings that God has given to us the last 150 years. And yes, even in those 150 years, there's been conflict. There's been confrontation. There's been disagreements. There's been arguments. There's been plenty of open moments of sin that needed to be addressed. Yet in the midst of it all, God was there. And we're still here today. We're still worshiping. We're still celebrating his blessings. You know, and God willing, unless Jesus decides to come back before that happens... You know, God's going to still be with us for another 150 years here in this place. So who's God calling on you to restore relationships today? What brother or sister in your life is God calling upon you to seek out forgiveness, to offer forgiveness, to serve as a mediator or a witness? Who is God calling on your heart today to serve in that self-sacrificial way, in a way of love? in a way of forgiveness. But know as you do, as you struggle with that challenge, know that God is with you. Thanks be to God. Thy will be done. His will for us today and always. Amen.